White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep array! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly, our first of the regular season. It is a two-hour extravaganza of White Sox conversation here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. We're leading you right up into the pregame show at 1130. White Sox and Tigers for game two of this 2022 season. Love to have you along for the ride. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Let's talk a little White Sox, shall we? You can bring your family of four to a White Sox game starting at 70 bucks with a family four-pack presented by ExxonMobil. You'll get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, and four chips to select games. Plus, with every purchase, you have a chance to win mobile gasoline for a year. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash four-packs. So, the season did not start the way White Sox fans and the White Sox themselves and White Sox front office and White Sox coaching staff wanted. It was a little bit of a heartbreaker in, in game one of the 2022 season. Javi Baez walked it off on a line drive that caromed off the wall and A.J. Pollock's glove in right field before finding A.J. Pollock's glove. It looked like one heck of a catch from one of the newest members of the White Sox. Uh, Len called it here on the radio for us and, and saw it as a catch. So did I. Most people did. Um, but on review, it really did look, it hit the wall uh, and then bounced off the top of A.J. Pollock's glove. And then Pollock kind of popped it up in the air and was able to bring it back home. Uh, that was the end of the ball game. Javi Baez driving that thing off the right field wall and then a triple uh, previously hit by Austin Meadows in that ninth inning. He was the winning run. Tigers win it 5-4. to four. Lots in yesterday's ball game, though, to go over. A lot. What we've got here for you is two hours of time to talk about it with you. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. We've got the coffee poured. We've got the lineups ready for the White Sox and Tigers. I'll we'll get you those in just a moment. We've got a conversation with Ethan Katz, all queued up and ready to go. Full disclosure, I talked with Ethan. Well, I mean, it matters too, right? I mean, sometimes we like to, as radio hosts, slide this around for you. Be like, oh, Ethan, hey, how you doing? And then we flip to a record. No, this is a conversation that we had uh, two days ago. And the reason I got to tell you that is because the thing we don't have yet this morning is the latest on Lucas Giolito. The White Sox opening day starter went four innings. He struck out six. He walked two. Looked good. Velo was a little bit low. He, he was touching 95, and I think that last strikeout he got, um, I believe it was of Javi Baez. Let me like look back through my game log. Uh, yeah, I think it was of Javi Baez. Uh, touched 94.5-ish, 94.6, something like that. So it got back up there, but wasn't the 96, 97 that he was topping out at in spring training. Velocity is a watchword for starters, for for really all pitchers, to see how you're feeling and how healthy you are. Uh, You throw the ball harder, it's typically easier to get it by guys too, right? We know that about baseball. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And because Lucas was sitting a little lower yesterday than he had been in spring, that doesn't necessarily mean that the injury had anything to do with his performance. Not for sure. We're waiting to find out exactly what that abdominal strain to Lucas Giolito or tightness or uh, thing was exactly 
that had him tap out of yesterday's ball game after just four innings. It was kind of weird, too. I mentioned this on the postgame show yesterday. After Lucas left uh, or, or, or didn't return for that fifth inning and the White Sox went to the bullpen and he had Bennett Sousa come out for his first major league inning, uh, scoreless frame, by the way, for Sousa, I, I thought, okay, that's fine. We, we've talked all spring training long about how pitching staffs and, and, and managers were probably going to be quicker with hooks than usual to start the season, considering spring training had only been three and a half weeks. The White Sox have already lost Lance Lynn from the rotation for probably the first two months or so of the regular season. Could be earlier than that. We'll see what happens. But it made sense to be a little bit more conservative with Lucas and maybe the rest of your starters if you've got a loaded bullpen and an off day on Monday, which the White Sox have both of. Turns out it was an injury that had Lucas pulling himself out of the game, uh, and we will see. And as soon as we have word, we've yet to hear uh, from White Sox beat reporters, the White Sox themselves, coaching staff, nobody uh, have not heard anything on Lucas Giolito's situation right now. Rest assured that once we know, you'll know right here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, a lot more to get to uh, in, in regards to what the White Sox or where the White Sox kind of ended up after yesterday's 5-4 loss to the Tigers. But suffice it to say that the most important thing, really the biggest issue at hand here, is the health of the pitching staff. And unfortunately for the White Sox, there are now existing injuries to their top two starters in Lance Lynn, who's already out with the knee surgery, coming back, hopefully, and you'll hear from Ethan Katz in just a little while. He told me Thursday that Lance was playing catch like two days after having had surgery on his knee. So things look good so far. But knees are knees, and Lance is, you know, he's a heftier guy. He calls himself something that I can't necessarily say here on White Sox Radio, but it's big something, something, and you can't say that second word. I, it's, it's a situation where the depth is being tested right away for the White Sox and for a lot of teams around baseball. Not only is it Lance Lynn, but now Lucas Giolito has the issue. Yoan Mankata was put on the injured list with an oblique strain to start the season. Sounds like about three weeks for the White Sox starting third baseman. Ryan Burr is on the injured list as well getting going. Uh, so immediately you've got depth in the bullpen being called upon. And a guy like Bennett Sousa, Kyle Crick, figure we'll probably see Tanner Banks today make his major league debut. He's the 30-year-old rookie who broke camp throwing uh, four miles an hour harder than he'd ever thrown before. Fastball up to around 97 or so. Uh, figure you probably see Tanner Banks at some point today as well because the White Sox did tap into the bullpen yesterday despite it not being all that effective in the 8th and the ninth, giving up four total runs to the Tigers in their first win of the season, a 5-4 win against the White Sox yesterday. Now, I do think, though, there were a handful of silver linings in yesterday's ballgame, as disappointing as the finish was. Uh, newcomer A.J. Pollock was terrific at the plate, 3-for-5 uh, with an RBI as well. And, and really, in his first at-bat, he was called out looking on a strikeout against Eduardo Rodriguez, who the White Sox made work pretty hard yesterday, which was nice to see, an encouraging offensive approach against a, a decent starter in Eduardo Rodriguez and a big free agent signing from the Tigers to help solidify that rotation as they try and put themselves on a winning track here in 2022. Uh, but Pollock at the top of the order was great. And the reason I bring him up is because he's at the top of the order again today. Here's the lineup for the White Sox in Game 2 against the Tigers. I've got the Tigers lineup as well, so we'll go through that in just a moment. But here's how Tony La Russa and the White Sox have lined him up. Sorry, I had to refresh on the old computer. You know, the internet does what it does. A.J. Pollock's at the top. He's in right field. Luis Robert is in center field. 
batting two, same as yesterday. Jose Abreu bats three. Yasmani Grandal bats four. He'll catch. Eloy Jimenez is in left. So same, same, same as yesterday through the top five. Gavin Sheets makes his 2022 debut. He's going to DH and bat six. Leary Garcia bats seven. He's at short. Tim Anderson still suspended. Just for this last game, he'll be back tomorrow, Sunday, against the Tigers. His two-game suspension is up after, yeah, well, you guessed it, two games. Josh Harrison bats eight. He's at second base. And Jake Berger bats nine. He's at third. Berger had a double yesterday in his first A.B., came around to score a run, also worked a walk in the ninth. Uh, so a good day from Jake Berger. You'll hear from him in just a little bit here on White Sox Weekly, too. Jake pointed out a really interesting thing in the pregame yesterday, and you'll hear him talk about it a little bit later on. He made the opening day roster for the Charlotte Knights, having been sent down to AAA. So he made his, you know, played on opening day in AAA. Then he played on opening day in the majors. And I I don't know that there's a lot of guys who have done both in that order. There are certain, you know, because usually as the baseball season starts, AAA starts just a little bit after the major league schedule starts. But because of the lockout, everything got pushed back and shoved around and changed a little bit. So AAA opened before the major league schedule did. So Jake debuted with the Charlotte Knights and then debuted with the Chicago White Sox, really in the, in the same week. It's kind of wild, kind of fun for him. Uh, not so fun, the results for the White Sox yesterday, though. And I, I think, you know, as, as we look at yesterday's game, certainly you, you look at the performance from Liam Hendricks, all the fastballs he threw was uh, you know, kind of an unwillingness to get to the slider, I think, against Javi Baez and a little bit against Austin Meadows. Um, it sounds like in the post game, and you'll hear from Liam Hendricks' postgame comments in just a bit this morning, too. It sounded like those were the pitches he wanted to throw. That was the diet he was trying to offer to those Tiger hitters that I just mentioned, um, but wasn't really spotting it all that well. It was cold in Detroit yesterday. Those were probably issues for everybody. you got to work around those. And I guess if we are pointing out kind of the, you know, the good and the bad, the silver lining and kind of the dark cloud a little bit, yeah, Liam Hendricks blew two saves in a ballgame and got the loss. Uh, the White Sox handed a 3-1 lead to Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks in the final two innings of a ball game, and those are situations that you want to lock down if you're the White Sox. This could have been an easy one to just go ahead and say, Bummer, one, two, three, Hendricks, one, two, three. There you go. You're out the door with a 1-0 start to the season. All these games matter the same. Each one of the 162 matters. So when it comes to you know winning a ball game yesterday, that would have been great. Fewer that you have to win in, you know, September or August when things get more difficult. It is still, though, one of 162, and that likely means that given the way Liam Hendricks has pitched in the last two seasons, his last for the Oakland A's, and then here with the White Sox last year, he's probably going to right the ship. I mean, that's what Liam Hendricks does. He's been gotten by the home run ball a little bit last year. He was able to fix those problems. He gave up a homer to Eric Haas. More fastballs there in that at-bat. Um, that tied the ball game, and then obviously the uh, the single from Javi Baez and the the whole Austin Meadows triple. There there are you know some solid relievers in the back end of the White Sox bullpen. It's part of the reason that Rickon and company felt comfortable trading Craig Kimbrell over to the Dodgers and getting AJ Pollock back in return. I wouldn't regret that trade one bit. You had an extra piece, a good one at that. And you got a good one in return to fill up the issues in right field. And Pollock gave you returns right off the top. And I think he'll continue to do so. He's at the top of the lineup for the White Sox again today. I, I do think, though, when you look at the 
sure, there were problems in the bullpen yesterday. No doubt about it. Bummer and Liam Hendricks would tell you the same. But I look at the fifth inning of the White Sox offensive chances. A.J. Pollock starts that puppy with a double. Lead-off man's on. Luis Robert with a hard-hit infield single. I think it glanced off the mound. Might have caught the foot of Drew Hutchison, too. Jose Abreu grounds into a fielder's choice. So you go from first and second, nobody out, to second and third with one out. Yes, Meininger and all pops one up on the infield. And then Aloy Jimenez grounds one back to the pitcher. Hard-hit ball, good play made. And the White Sox go from a, a, a real good scoring chance. First and second, no one out. Second and third, one out and are unable to drive in that extra run. They scored two in the second, one in the first, and then one in the ninth with a home run from Andrew Vaughn. I think you'll probably hear the highlight when we come back from break here, but Vaughn just crushed a slider, absolutely brutalized this ball from Gregory Soto. Uh, It was great to see Vaughn get into that power a little bit. He was one for four yesterday with his first home run, the only home run for the White Sox yesterday against the Tigers. There, so kind of, you know, as we're starting the show this morning, doing a little bit of the silver lining, a little bit of the dark clouds. It's great to have baseball back. The White Sox did lose the first one of the season. I'm so glad that we're playing regular season baseball. It would have been nice to lock that thing down. Two things can be true. The White Sox will do it again against the Tigers today with Dylan Cease on the mound. I'm going to tell you just how good Dylan Cease has been against the Tigers when we come back. You'll hear that Andrew Vaughn highlight. You'll hear from White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz later on in the show. But one of my favorite things that I saw yesterday, I mean, yes, all the baseball was great. Did I stay up way too late watching West Coast baseball? Yes, absolutely I did. I haven't slept, and there's been so much coffee this morning. But that's opening day, right? Some of the sights and sounds you get, some of the extra stuff is really awesome. And at that White Sox-Tigers game yesterday in Detroit, they opened it up in one of the coolest, most rock and roll ways I've seen in a while. Jack White, who, you know, let's disclose our biases here. Big Jack White fan, love the tours. one hell of a guitar player. I mean, you could hand the guy a wet cardboard box, and I'm pretty sure he could play Freebird on the thing, right? I Like, he's that kind of good. Jack White opens up with the national anthem. He's got his hair dyed blue. He's a longtime Tiger fan. I, I get, cool, fine, whatever. This was awesome. If you missed it, I wanted to bring you just a little taste as we go to break, here's how Jack White wrapped the anthem. We're back with more White Sox Weekly, though, in just a minute. Sheets in the lineup tomorrow. And Vaughn launches to left. If it's fair, it's gone. It is a home run. It is 4-3 White Sox in the night. Oh, what a blast. I don't know that I'd call Andrew Vaughn an N-E-R-D, but if you did, he'd probably go yard on you. At least if you were, you know, working against each other, batter and pitcher. Great to see Vaughnie. Go yard the way he did. The homer in the ninth was a little reminiscent of a home run he hit last year. DJ actually mentioned it. It was that shot against Aroldis Chapman, the lefty, 
um, against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium that ended up tying the game. The White Sox would go on to lose that one. Kind of the same story yesterday. You got Gregory Soto, certainly of a different caliber than Aroldis Chapman, but a home run that's just as valuable nonetheless. Uh, White Sox fall to the Tigers to open the season 5-4 the final yesterday. This is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, and that highlight courtesy of uh, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Len Casper had the call. You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on April 12th for opening day as the White Sox take on the Seattle Mariners. That's 3.10 p.m. That's the start. The first 20,000 fans will receive a 2021 AL Central Champs pennant presented by BMO. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. That's whitesox.com slash promos. A couple of things I want to do in this segment here before we get to an interview with Ethan Katz in just a little while, probably top of the 10 o'clock hour. You'll hear from White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. We may move that, though, because I'll tell you, um, we're, it, it looks like we're starting to get a little bit of news about what's going on with Lucas Giolito, uh, and we want to leave that space open as best we can for the latest on White Sox opening day starter Lucas Giolito. Scott Merkin, friend of the show who covers the White Sox for MLB.com, has tweeted uh, these last two, and this is but Eric Kostrowski and Jake Cantu, our producers, these are the only things that I've seen so far on Lucas. I, I think this is the only thing we're scouring Twitter and, and checking our sources, and we'll check in with Jesse Rogers, I, I think probably too, if we've got a chance. Um, and we've got some bigger news for you. But Merck wrote this on Twitter. Giolito felt something in three straight pitches yesterday in the fourth, so he said something. He's hoping to miss as little time as possible and keep his arm moving slash working during whatever time this is. Uh, those he's uh, Velazquez, Vincent Velazquez, looks to be the White Sox starter on Tuesday. All that per Scott Merkin of MLB.com. So uh, that crosses off a couple of question marks that we had open around the White Sox here in the next couple of days um, while still leaving some question marks, unfortunately. Still waiting to, to really hear the official official on Lucas Giolito, that uh, whatever he was feeling was cropping up in three straight pitches, it sounds like. Uh, And the hope is, obviously, that he's not missing a whole lot of time. The White Sox rotation is already down. Lance Lynn and losing Lucas Giolito would be even more difficult. One of the things, and I I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think it's one of the biggest storylines in baseball right now and will remain so through the first month, maybe even two of the season. Something I heard over and over again from just about everybody plugged into the situation around ball clubs and and who's been doing this a while. When I was down in Arizona for a week early on was the, um, gosh, I, I the, the concern. I guess I don't know what, another way to put it. I don't know another better word. The concern about whether or not pitchers would be able to get up to a critical workload um, and be safe in, in their starts to begin the season. So the teams you saw everywhere were um, adding length to some relievers, were picking up players from free agency and adding depth uh, to bullpen and swing starters alike. So that's something that, that we've been looking for um, and, and we're worried about as the White Sox and really everybody got started. Just three and a half weeks of spring training is not enough time to really ramp up starters uh, specifically the way ball clubs would like to. A little bit more on Lucas. These tweets coming out from both Vinny Duber, who covers the White Sox from for CHGO, one of the new outfits in town, and James Fegan of The Athletic. Uh, Lucas Gilito said it's undecided whether he's heading to the injured list. He described what happened as a strange injury that doesn't happen often in baseball. He'll try and keep his arm moving, 
throwing enough that he won't need a big buildup upon return. He felt good for two more innings pitched, if not for that injury. So that's kind of based on his own stamina and his, and the shoulder and everything like that. I have to imagine um, is what he's talking about there. Still, um, and that's that's the latest from White Sox beat reporters right now on what is definitely the biggest story surrounding the White Sox here, just one game into the season, the health of Lucas Giolito, who left yesterday's game after four innings and six strikeouts and two walks, four scoreless innings against the Detroit Tigers yesterday. So uh, we'll continue to scour the reports and see exactly what's going on about Lucas. Before we go to break here, I wanted to bring you something from yesterday's post game. This is Liam Hendricks, uh, courtesy of Daryl Van Scowen, who does a great job covering the White Sox uh, for the uh, Sun-Times, has done for a long time. Uh, he tweeted out the video of Liam postgame, obviously a disappointed White Sox closer uh, who was looking for a lot better results than yesterday offered him. Here he is, Liam Hendricks, after the game yesterday. It's the pitch to Cabrera, the one you... Jaguar, I wanted up and in off the plate, and he broke his bat, and it just landed in there. I made the pitch I wanted to, but it's not the result I wanted, and now it's... Uh, I mean, that's the thing that hurts the most today, is... Yes, the loss hurts, but it's the inherited runners. And I not picking up another teammate, and that's what really irks me. We've been hearing all offseason about how this is going to be a tougher division for you guys and how Detroit's much improved and, you know, if they showed the fight that they've got today, is that is that something that you expect to continue on throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, they've always, even last year, they, had a, they did have a good lineup. They, they just had a tough first month, and after that, they were fine. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, they've added a couple pieces that make that lineup significantly harder to pitch to, and that's... Uh, and those two of those guys were the uh, the reason of the work off today, and that's uh, I still got to make better pitches in that situation. I shouldn't have even got that far, but it uh, it is what it is. And I now I come to the field tomorrow and, and want to get back out there and do a better job. It's White Sox closer Liam Hendricks who was looking for better yesterday against the Tigers. They scored two in the eighth and two in the ninth. Those last two off of Hendricks, a triple from Austin Meadows. He'd come around to score on the Javier Baez single off the wall above the glove of A.J. Pollock, and then the home run from Eric Haas, who hit five homers last season against the White Sox. Now, some good news, uh, plenty of good news, really, from the White Sox for today, and it concerns Dylan Cease. Dylan has been terrific against the Tigers in his career. You remember, at least I thought, one of his breakout moments, I mean, a terrific season last year, 226 strikeouts in total, I believe, a top-10 finish in White Sox franchise history in terms of strikeouts in a season. Dylan Cease is 8-0 with a 2-1 ERA and 59 punchouts in nine career starts against Detroit. You slice those numbers at Comerica Park, and they get even better for the White Sox right-hander. I'll get you those numbers when we come back after a break. You will might hear from Ethan Katz. We're going to keep that open-ended on um, on some of the news for Lucas Giolito. So we're going to keep, uh, keep looking um, through what White Sox beat reporters have to say about the injury status of Lucas Giolito. Again, it's it's undecided as it stands now, per reports from guys like James Fegan and Scott Merkin and Vinny Duber. Undecided whether Giolito is going to head to the injured list at this point. Um, oh, wait, this is just coming coming out? Okay, so Vinny Duber and Fegan are both tweeting that Tony La Russa has decided and the White Sox have decided that Giolito will head to the injured list, and missing two starts is the optimistic projection. This is just coming out now. White Sox starter Lucas Giolito will go to the injured list after coming out of yesterday's game after four innings of pitching, scoreless ball against the Tigers. 
missing two starts for Giolito is the optimistic projection. Vincent Velazquez is going to start the home opener Tuesday against Seattle. So that's some big news here on White Sox Weekly concerning your Chicago White Sox. And it is, unfortunately, concerning news to start the season. Both Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito on the injured list after just one game played in 2022. The White Sox depth in the rotation will certainly be tested. The White Sox depth in the bullpen will be tested. I wouldn't be surprised if things get a little creative for Ethan Katz and the boys as they try and cover up as many innings as they possibly can, missing both Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. Again, the idea is, the hope is, that Giolito is only going to miss two starts. That's the latest from Tony La Russa. But Lucas is headed to the injured list after leaving yesterday's start after just four innings. More on that as it develops. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got ESPN 1000. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Saturday, April 16th. The White Sox take on the Tampa Bay Rays at 1.10 p.m. The first 20,000 fans will receive a Liam Hendricks bobblehead powered by Constellation, America's energy choice. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly, and we, well, we've got news this morning. Uh, not all of it is great, unfortunately, but we're trying to find silver linings in the start of the season um, after the White Sox dropped one to the Tigers 5-4 yesterday. First pitch today, 12-10. Pre-game show at 11-30. Dylan Cease and Casey Mize, the starters for the White Sox and Tigers. Gave you the White Sox lineup just a little bit ago. I'll run that down in just a, uh, just a minute in case you missed it in the first 30. Uh, I've also got updates on Lucas Giolito and A.J. Pollock. I will bring you those in just 10 seconds. We're going to pause it here for station ID. Here's the latest from the White Sox in Detroit. White Sox reporters and uh, per Tony La Russa say that Lucas Giolito will go to the injured list and the hope is that he will miss only two starts. I'll pull the schedule up and tell you exactly when Lucas Giolito might return. Remember, changes in the CBA this year. We are back to a 15-day IL stretch. Uh, last two years, it was 10 days on the injured list. I think it might have been last three. Either way, it's uh, back to 15 now on the injured list. So the hope is that it's just two starts for Lucas Giolito. The Sox do have just a couple of off days in this first month of April. One's coming up on Monday, so that's a well-needed off day for the White Sox. But then it's a long stretch, three against Seattle, three against Tampa. That's your first home series, home stand, rather, of the season. Then on the road for four in Cleveland, then three in Minnesota before an off day on the 25th, two Mondays from now. I guess technically three if you're not counting the 11th. I never know how you do that. What is the next Monday? Is it the next one or the one after that? Anyway, they're off the 11th and the 25th, so that could help the White Sox just miss two starts from Lucas Giolito. An abdominal tweak yesterday popped up on three consecutive pitches, and Lucas asked out of the game because that's, you know, listen, It's the first game of the season. You can't push through that now because if that costs you availability down the stretch or into the playoffs or for the rest of the season, however that could go, if you really push through it, that's a real dangerous thing to do. So Lucas tapping out and letting people know that he's hurting, uh, that's real important. Glad that happened yesterday. Vincent Velazquez is the scheduled starter for Tuesday's home opener. He's on the slate now. Uh, and bumped up into the rotation, at least for this first go-round. He's going to pitch the 12th 
against Seattle. That's the home opener at Guaranteed Rate Field. Dylan Cease today and Michael Kopech tomorrow are the scheduled starters for the Sox. So I'd have to imagine, and this is just me guessing a little bit at it, but I'd have to imagine that because Kopech is making his first season-long run in the starting rotation and build-ups were difficult to get to, you know, workloads were tough to achieve in a very short spring training, uh, I, I would guess that Tony La Russa and Ethan Katz are thinking about Reynaldo Lopez as a potential piggyback for Michael Kopech in tomorrow's ball game, But none of that happens until you play today's, and the White Sox will hope for the best uh, and should get it from Dylan Cease. He's been dynamite against the Tigers throughout his entire career. Last year, a career breakout season for Dylan Cease. I mean, he was truly terrific uh, and probably has room to grow. In fact, you'll hear us talk about that with White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz in the next segment. I appreciate you hanging with us. We've been um, bumping that interview with Katz just a little bit. I talked to him on Thursday uh, and had a lot of good stuff about PitchCom and, and what are the White Sox pitching staff and, and, and the potential sits where a lot of health issues were at for those guys. Um, we'll get to them in just a little bit but with all the breaking news we've had from Detroit. Wanted to get you that here on White Sox Weekly. What, what are we doing if not that? Here's the other piece of news. Um, this from Tony La Russa as well. A.J. Pollock is going to leave the team for paternity leave. Congratulations to the Pollocks. Uh, they're expecting, and I, I guess, I don't know if it's a scheduled thing or if he's already had the kid. That's not yet out there from White Sox beat reporters, uh, but Pollock is going to go on paternity leave after Sunday's game. I believe, although I haven't seen in the new CBA, paternity leave had been three days in the old CBA, and that's one of the changes that I haven't seen yet. I, I don't know that anybody's reported it, actually. It's, it's kind of one of those things you don't uh, you, you get to when it matters, uh, when somebody has a paternity leave pop up. Uh, regardless, congratulations to the Pollocks uh, on their new child. So uh, that is not determined exactly how long Pollock will miss time with the White Sox, but he'll leave after Sunday's game. So that's all the news. Whew. It's a lot for the White Sox here to start this season. Want to know what you think about any and all of it? 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on the show. We're with you until 1130. Pre-game show starts then, so you've got time to chime in. We're going to hear from Ethan Katz in just a little bit. I think this about the White Sox. We knew um, as soon as the injury popped up to Lance Lynn and that he was going to miss probably you know four to eight weeks of baseball, that this was going to be a test for the White Sox arms offensively, you know, with Pollock, Robert, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez, Vaughn, Anderson, Moncada, who's now out for the first three weeks, at least of the season, that this would be a team that scores runs. In fact, you know, Len Casper on, on some of his White Sox on the White Sox minute that he does on the network and on ESPN 1000 was mentioning that he expects this team to be in a, a top tier offensively in terms of runs scored. I don't think there's anything we've seen that should change that expectation for White Sox fans or for the front office or for the White Sox hitters themselves. This is a team that should score. They're going to have to in, in the first four, eight weeks of the season. Now with Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito both going to miss time. Uh, hopefully it is just two starts that you're going to miss from Lucas and he's able to get right back at it. 
Uh, he did say that he's going to keep things moving as best he can and hopefully not need much of a ramp-up time after this injury has subsided, whatever it is technically sounded like an abdominal issue yesterday. This is, you know, kind of a, a hit to the area that you really can't afford to start the season. No team really can. I mean, you look at the way the Mets have scrambled with injuries to guys like, and, and admittedly, Scherzer has, you know, gotten himself back into action, it looks like, or, or around and able to pitch at least some. But DeGrom going down, I mean, across the league, we have seen um, starters pull up with injuries, not be able to get into distance. We've seen red lights, you know, red flashing lights from just about everybody in baseball when it comes to their pitching. Um, you saw a couple of guys go deep, guys like Sean Maniah, the Padres, got seven innings of no-hit baseball. That was uh, you know fun to watch. Um, but those are the exceptions, and especially for teams that are starting in cold weather, you, know, you, you really have to play it safe when it comes to some of these tweaks, some of these injuries, some of these pitch counts. So you know, the hope is that Dylan Cease can give you as much as he can today, but even that, you know, you're, you're not going to ask him or, or whoever would be getting the ball to start today against the Tigers to hero things. Nobody can, you can't ask a guy to put on a cape and just give me eight out there and we'll see what happens. You don't have the off days. You don't have the horses. You don't have the availability in the schedule uh, to ask anything more than is reasonable from a starter. So it's going to be up to Dylan to limit that pitch count against hitters, be aggressive, come at people, use that breaking stuff uh, the way he did last season to get ahead in counts and put guys away. This is a Tigers lineup that looks a little bit different than it did last year and, and has, some, uh, has some fun bats in it. You know, new hitters like Javi Baez and Austin Meadows and Spencer Torkelson, the rookie. They're all interesting guys to watch, and this Tigers team could be a, uh, a, a plucky one in the AL Central as the White Sox look to defend their title from last season. Let's head out to the phone lines, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number in LaGrange. It's Tom. Tom, what's up? You're on White Sox Weekly. Yeah, hey, Connor. How's it going? I'm just wondering with uh, with all the you know issues we're having with pitching, is there any word on Cueto? Because, um, boy, we could use a vet right now. Yeah, I have not heard any more on Johnny Cueto than the run-up is going to be the run-up. I don't know that he was... You know, he's working out and pitching and stuff, but but even guys who were in spring training need a little bit more time to get up to a full workload. I think it's going to be a little while before Johnny Cueto, a couple of weeks perhaps, before Johnny Cueto can get back into games. I know that Cueto, it was reported that Cueto had an out in his deal. You know, most my, most major league vets who sign late deals like this, late minor league deals like this, will have a clause in there that says, if I'm not on the Major League roster by X date, and for Cueto, I believe it was at some point mid-May, um, I'll look that up during the break and see if I can find it again. If I'm not up by a certain point, uh, then I just go back to free agency and, and we kind of avoid the contract. But at this point, you know, Tom, like you mentioned, depth is key, and, and just having someone to you know eat some innings, as quality as they could be, uh, is crucial. So... Where Cueto is at right now, we we just know what we'd known when the White Sox broke camp. But I would imagine that those are the next questions that you're going to get answered once the White Sox come back home here and open up the season against the Mariners on Tuesday. Thanks for it, Tom. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, great. Thanks. You got it. Yeah, it's it's Johnny Cueto. You know, that's that next piece of depth. Jimmy Lambert, next piece of depth. Uh, Vincent Velasquez is going to get the start on Tuesday. And you've got Reynaldo Lopez probably prepped to back up. Like I mentioned, I'm guessing here a little bit the White Sox could change the plan some. 
Um, and, and they'd be right in doing so. You know, I mean, I, I think even going into this series, this first series of the year, Tuesday's starter, the home opener starter, was going to be left up to how this series against the Tigers went. Now, with an injury to Lucas and having to tap Bennett Sousa, Kyle Crick, Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer, and Liam Hendricks for 30-plus pitches all in the opener, you kind of have to to revamp and reschedule what your starting rotation looks like almost on the fly. This is a tough task for the White Sox to start this season. They've got the bats to carry them. Certainly in the first series against the Tigers, there were opportunities to score more than just the four that they did. See if they can do it this afternoon against Detroit. Remember, that pregame show is coming your way at 11.30, first pitch at 12.10. When we come back here on White Sox Weekly, I had a conversation with White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz on Thursday. Good timing, too. We talked about a lot of the arms that you are going to see deployed over the next couple of weeks. It's not just going to be starters. It's everybody on deck now that Lucas Giolito is headed to the injured list after coming out of four scoreless innings against the Tigers yesterday. That's the latest from Tony La Russa. The hope is that Lucas misses just two starts for the White Sox, but the depth will be tested with both Lynn and Giolito on the injured list to start the season. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. You've got ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Sox fans, you can now watch the third episode of TA7, the story of Tim Anderson, the official Tim Anderson documentary presented by Nike. See how Tim found his voice as a major leaguer and became a leader within the Sox organization. Episodes drop Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Time. Tim's going to be back in the lineup tomorrow for the White Sox. Looking forward to that. Today, it's a lot of news for the White Sox. If you're just tuning in, let me catch you up on what has gone down already in Detroit. Lucas Giolito is going to land on the injured list after coming out of yesterday's game through four innings of no-run baseball, struck out six, he walked two. It sounds like it is an abdominal tweak that has gotten Lucas. He felt it on three straight pitches and said, I I got this thing going on. I don't know what this is, but it's got to happen. He called the injury kind of a random and freak thing. Giolito said uh, this from Daryl Van Scowen who covers the White Sox for the Sun-Times, uh, called uh, Giolito said, it's unfortunate. I wanted to kick off this year and set the tone. Felt we were doing that. Just another challenge for us to get through. Obviously, the White Sox already have Lance Lynn on the injured list to start the year. Taking out the two top arms in rotation is a really difficult ask of any ball club. The White Sox are certainly loaded enough offensively to weather this storm. They're going to need a lot more from the arms everywhere, not just starters, but throughout the bullpen to step up. To that end, we're hearing that Tanner Banks, 30-year-old minor league lefty who had started before in his career, has not been ruled out as a possible starter. That from Tony La Russa. Uh, so Tanner Banks, who you hear about when we hear from Ethan Katz in just a moment here on White Sox Weekly, uh, may well start. The home opener start is going to belong to Vincent Velasquez. He's the starter on Tuesday against Seattle. So that is on the board as well. Dylan Cease gets the start today, and Michael Kopech will go tomorrow. Oh, also this, A.J. Pollock is headed for paternity leave after Sunday's game. So congratulations to the Pollocks. We'll let you know exactly when the uh, estimated time for Pollock to miss games and then return to action is going to be. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. We're going to talk White Sox all morning long. Our pregame show coming up at 1130. Uh, we're gonna, we, we've been kind of moving things around all morning long. 
when it regards this breaking news around the White Sox. I talked with Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, on Thursday about a lot of different issues. Um, all of it concerning the, the pitching staff from the Sox all the way down from Lance Lynn down to Tanner Banks, who uh, may make his Major League de- debut as a starter. Now, we'll see what happens there. Here he is, uh, without any further ado, White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. Our guest on White Sox Weekly is White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. Ethan, appreciate you taking a few minutes here. Opening day coming up. I know you're busy, uh, but I would imagine you're as excited as anybody for opening day. We've waited a while, and now the White Sox get to defend their AL Central title. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to get this thing going. Uh, It took long enough, but here we are. So let's look back a bit before we go forward. Obviously, the, the lockout's over, and thank goodness, but it feels like its effects are being felt all over the league. What was the work like once you got back to normal? What should Sox fans know about how getting back in touch with all of your pitchers and understanding where they were at and what kind of job you had coming up in this three-and-a-half-week spring training uh, was like? And how is that playing out right now still? Um, it was tough. Um, but, I mean, everybody's dealing with it. Um, without the communication, um, the minute the – the lockout was lifted. Um, you know, I was texting Rick and I called players and I called players. And the minute he gave me um, confirmation it was good to go, I reached out to everybody that day, um, trying to make sure that they were on track with the plans we we gave them um, pre-lockout. Um, a lot of guys did a really nice job sticking and getting the work done that we asked them to do. Um, but you know, when they're on their own, there's still some fine tuning once you get face-to-face with them and you know the biggest challenge was when the players showed up we had to throw them into games um there was no um one-on-one time really um if there was there was maybe one bullpen and you know we had to get them going to ramp them up to get them as ready as possible for season so there's some obstacles there's still some obstacles um but everybody's dealing with it we're just trying to make with the best of the situation is there anything that you guys have learned from this truncated process? I mean, it's it sounds like it was a really difficult challenge for everybody across the league, but sometimes you can figure things out uh, when you're when you're forced with challenges, forced to have challenges like that. Yeah, I mean the the, the sense of urgency is there, um, so you have to you also have to kind of respect what the work that the guys had done and and not try to. Um, overload them with something that you know might be on your mind, or you see that you might want to make a tweak here and there, and you just got to let it happen organically. But it's it, it's it's tough, but it's it's a, a new obstacle um, that definitely uh, you learn a lot from. But you also learn a lot from the previous years when it was just you know working with guys on um, FaceTime or over the phone. So I mean. It's new challenges that hopefully make you a better coach and and learn how to communicate with your players even better. So Lucas Giolito gets the start for opening day. His second half was especially good last year. What clicked, and are those things the main focus for this year, or is that too simplistic for Lucas? Um, You know, one of the things that uh, last year we had to really fine-tune was getting his slider shape back. And by doing so, that really kind of helped with everything. Obviously, um, the first half um, was good, but not to Lucas's standard. Um, the all-star break happened. He gave him a chance to reset. And he came in um, with a high sense of urgency of wanting to really, uh, you know, have a good good second half. And he did so. Um, this year, you know, he really spent time 
um, getting stronger, uh, putting on some good weight to help uh, sustain, you know, his, his, his velocity more through the course of the season. Um, along with he really, um, really got a good feel back for his curveball. So that's been something that's been a nice surprise to see him being able to throw it, shape it, and, and land it for strikes and put it where he wants to with two strikes. So, you know, we'll see where that continues to play as time goes on. But, you know, he's he's in a good spot right now and came in um, ready to go. So it's good. So what were the lockout assignments for Lucas? Was it pasta every day and, and live next to a squat rack? Like I, Because the guy has put on a good amount of weight. And I have to imagine that's... You know, it's to stay deeper within individual games, but also throughout the length of the season, too, yes? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, when it came to that aspect of the game, um, I, I didn't get too involved with his workouts. I mean, obviously, we have our strength coaches, and um, he has uh, his people that he had back home. But when it comes to everything else, uh, pitching-wise, it was something we talked about what to really focus on and um, really gave him some some numbers uh, this uh, this off season just to show them how impactful his pitches when they played in certain locations and what played after that, just to kind of give him a better idea when he's on the mound where he can turn to and 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 advance his game that way. So obviously, you guys were dealt a blow with Lance Lynn's knee injury. If there's a silver lining to it, I suppose it's that this happens in April and not August. Uh, where's Lance at? What are the plans for him ramping back up? And, and how much does that change? You know, obviously having a, a top five Cy Young guy removed from your rotation for a little while, that changes plans a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it hurts. Um, you know, having having Lance in your rotation speaks for itself. But, you know, he had his surgery Tuesday, text him, see how he's doing, said, I'm doing great, just got done playing catch. Um, so, you know, Lance Lynn will, will push the limits on when he can be back. Um, we'll probably have to slow him down to make sure it's what's best for him. But, you know, this is a good opportunity for a lot of guys to step up, um, help this team out even more. Um, but he's it, going to be missed. There's there's no doubt, about, no doubt about that. When you say guys that can step up, do you mean Reynaldo Lopez? Do you mean Vincent Velasquez? Do you mean others as well? How do you guys kind of bridge those innings uh, for the duration of Lance Lynn's absence? Um, I think it's, it's, everything's going to, you know, kind of take its course. Um, we don't really have the answers right now. I think it all depends on how the first series plays out, who do we need to use, um, and see how guys are doing. I mean, I think everybody has to step up. Um, we got a lot of guys on this roster now, um, first time in the big leagues or we're in the, we're in the big leagues last year and, um, it's time for them to take that next step, which we think they can do. So, you know, I think it's a collective, it's a collective group effort to be able to get this thing in motion, and and it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for guys. What's fair to expect of Michael Kopech this year? How does the coaching staff go about challenging him versus knowing this is his first year in the rotation? And, and like you said, things need to be uh, more day to day to get things started in April. Yeah, I mean, it, you got to monitor what he's done. Um, you know, it's just kind of let him build up slowly. There's going to be days when, you know, he's doing really well. Maybe we'll let him go a little bit longer than subtract on the next outing. Um, you know, it's going to be game to game, day to day. Uh, the working between his starts is something I'm really looking forward to for his development um, and, and seeing how much we can get him to grow in that aspect. 
Um, it's tough as a reliever to get that one-on-one time. We would dabble here and there, but there's only so much you could really do because he needed to then be available for the next game or the game after that. So it just gives us uh, more time with his routine. And, you know, we definitely look forward to seeing what he's able to do and take the ball for us. Looking back to last season, some of the starts he made, whether those were in doubleheaders or even some of the long outings he had, I think he had two or three outings of, of three innings apiece. Are, are those the kinds of tape that you guys take during the offseason or, or even during spring training and look back on? Or is it more a start-from-scratch kind of scenario as this job is different than relieving? It's, it's, it's different, but, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's started throughout his career um, in the minor leagues and all that. So it's, it's a little bit different. Um, obviously, the circumstance of being a reliever, you know, he got – put in some tough situations, um, you know, having to work through things, uh, you know, in that course, course of that inning. So it's, it's good for him um, from a standing, starting standpoint if he gets into the gym, how to work through it and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, it, it's a clean slate for him. Um, last year was, you know, a luxury to have him in the big leagues as a reliever and it was a huge weapon for us and not in the minor leagues and, you know, you know, pitching four to five innings each time to monitor his workload. He kind of get him built up that way. Um, we needed him. He's too much of a weapon last year. So it's going to be a new clean slate for him as a starter, and, and we'll build him up. And um, there'll be some, some teaching moments as we go along, and we'll kind of learn from that and grow. Everywhere you look this offseason, there's a whole bunch of ink about Luis Robert this and Luis Robert that. But it's interesting to watch because the guy is he's had, he was so successful last year but has room to grow. On the White Sox pitching side of things, I, I kind of think Dylan Cease fits that same kind of description, right? He was so good last season, and yet you could kind of see within his starts that there might yet be room to grow. Am I making a decent enough analogy between the two guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I, Dylan has is uber-talented, and you know, last year was a nice step for him. But even going through that process, uh, his off season was really important for him. He, in my mind, is scratching the surface of where he can go, um, and I know that was really, you know, a huge step for him. But there's still so many aspects in his game that he's still working on. Um, there's still conversations that we might have during the course of the game of Dylan, like you got, you're doing too much here, deviating from the plan, like you know, the reminder, which is hard. It's hard when you're a stuff guy. Um, it's kind of you got to keep him on track, right? And he's 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 done amazing steps, um, and he continues to get better and better day in and day out. But there's still a lot more for him to learn, stuff for him to go through, and you know keep keep building him. So it's really exciting, but there's definitely a lot more ahead of him for sure. Tanner Banks is a really cool story on this team, an 18th round pick in 2014, 30 years old, finally a big leaguer. I called the first game of the spring training for the White Sox, and Banks pitched in that one, looked good, had no idea then, though, that he'd be a guy that breaks camp with the White Sox. That's such a cool thing. What does Tanner do so well that made him stand out to you guys? I mean, obviously that game against the Dodgers, when you're getting swings and misses from pretty much their A lineup, um, they're, they're, you know, they're making comments to our players. Um, Gavin Lux, you know, drew a walk, but he really struck out that game. And he, when he got to first base, he told 
can't remember who was playing first at the time. It might have been Gavin. He's like, I, I think I struck out twice, um, and the umpire <laughs> didn't give him the call. You know, I mean, it, 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 it spoke volumes with how good his stuff was. Um, and when you make big league hitters look that way, it's going to open a lot of eyes. Uh, but he, he has a really, um, you know, unique story. It's really special, and I'm really happy for him. And, you know, being there to be able to share the news that he's made the big leagues is something that, you know, is a very special moment to him. But it was very exciting just to hear everything this kid has been through to get to this point. And he's going to be a great asset to us. Um, and, you know, he's he's really pitched well this spring. Um, and he has a, a huge opportunity here with us this year, and we look forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, there was one last thing I wanted to ask about. There are a bunch of new rules, a bunch of new aspects of baseball in 2022, and one we just found out about is PitchCom, you know, this, this system that pitchers can use with catchers. It, there's a speaker that tells the pitcher what pitch has been called. Some guys in the infield and outfield can use it. What do you know about PitchCom? How much are the White Sox interested in, in getting into this technology? Is it something you guys have talked about for a little while, or is it something you'll figure out as the season goes on? Where are you guys at on PitchCom? Um, to be honest, we were probably the most active team uh, in baseball with it, um, and I think it started to pick up. I mean, I was calling um, connections around the league trying to get them to use it so we could get a, get this approved. So, uh, we've been active since day one. The players love it. Catchers love it. Um, and, you know, we're excited to have it. So it's something that we are, um, you know, very prepared with and, and looking forward to use it. There's some, some stuff that we wonder about, like crowd noise. Um, but, you know, there's, there's volume buttons and maneuvering through that. But we, we practice in spring training with loud music to try to make sure we can still hear things. And, you know, we're excited to have this. Um, it just... It takes care of one part of the game that needs to be taken care of. Um, and, you know, as we get better with it, we'll, you know, we, we talk about how we can use this for us as a serious weapon. So will this be a day one thing for everybody? Um, for the White Sox, yes. Um, we're going. Um, we're, gonna, we're, we're going full steam ahead with it. Um, we got it customized to how we want it, and we're ready to go. Oh, that's awesome. I look forward to seeing uh, how it works. It'll be a really cool new frontier for Major League Baseball. Ethan, appreciate it so much. Best of luck with opening day, and we'll see you at the ballpark real soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that's White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz, of course. It was cool to see Pitchcom work and then kind of it, – it didn't work for a moment. You're going to have technological issues. The White Sox had a, a situation where a hat needed to be replaced. I think it was Kendall Graveman who couldn't hear the signs. Um, which is kind of a weird phrase to say, hearing the signs. That's a new, we're in a new, brand new world here in Major League Baseball. Uh, White Sox lost to the Tigers yesterday, 5-4. to four. There is news. Lucas Giolito sounds like he's headed to the injured list, and the hope is that he'll miss just two starts. Came out after four scoreless against the Tigers yesterday. Vincent Velasquez is the starter for Tuesday's home opener against the Mariners. We'll get you posted on the rest of the news in case you're just tuning in here on White Sox Weekly. We'll take your phone calls too, 312-332-3776. That's the number. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got ESPN 1000. Kenny Main here. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, you can completely customize your 2022 season 
with a 10-game ticket plan that fits your schedule and budget. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. You know, we've spent most of the first hour of the show um, not reacting to yesterday's game, not really talking about yesterday's game so much, and that's because of the news that's come out of the White Sox uh, clubhouse here in the last mm, 40 minutes or so. Uh, In case you're just tuning in, getting up, moving around, making coffee, uh, cutting the pastry, whatever you do with a, with a coffee cake or something like that on a Saturday morning as baseball season is underway. Um, this is the news. Here's what's up with the Sox. Uh, Lucas Giolito is hitting the injured list. This per Tony La Russa and White Sox beat reporters everywhere. Sounds like an abdominal issue. Kind of a Lucas is described as a freak injury in some of the quotes that I've seen. You'll hear from Tony La Russa in the pregame show. He's got an interview with Len Casper. Len Casper has an interview with him. Uh, you want to stay tuned for the pregame show at 11.30. That's an exclusive that Len's got coming up here with Tony, so you won't want to miss it. Um, but Lucas is going to head to the injured list, and it sounds like the hope, the low-end expectation, is that he misses two starts. Remember, too, I brought this up a little earlier today, the injured list duration has changed. Now with the new CBA, it was 10 days last year uh, and the year before, if memory serves. That was the lockout season, of course. But the injured list now, 15 days. So that is a, a longer stretch on the injured list for Lucas just by mandate, you know, just by the rule. Uh, it's going to be 15 days if, when he is, if and when he is placed on that injured list. I was just looking through. Uh, the White Sox on Twitter have not announced, the, the official White Sox feed have not announced Lucas hitting the injured list now. Um, and that makes a little sense. You don't have to make that move until you have to make that move. The White Sox have the off day on Monday before coming home to face the Mariners to open the season. Uh, That starter has been announced. Vincent Velazquez is going to start that game. Um, And indeed, my suspicions were correct. And I think a lot of people kind of thought the same. Uh, The idea of Reynaldo Lopez starting game is definitely still out there. But Tony LaRusso wants to hold him in reserve, expecting that he'll have to pitch uh, maybe today, most likely tomorrow. Uh, we saw Michael Kopech not really throw uh, deep into ball games as his ramp up into spring training was delayed a little bit with a COVID diagnosis and got into spring training looking to find uh, a longer depth. Uh, the idea with, with Michael is that this being his first trip through the rotation, you would rather get those longer starts, those more p- impactful starts later in the year than early in the year. Makes sense to me. Checks out. Uh, and hopefully his availability is, is there You know, as, as long as you can have him uh, in a particular game. Well into the playoffs. Those are the expectations for the White Sox here in 2022. Same as they have been the last three seasons. White Sox going to try and defend their AL Central title. They lost to the Tigers yesterday 5-4. to four. And, you know, listen, the news is tough this morning. I don't know. There's not really a way to sugarcoat it. I, there, there just truly isn't. When you lose your top two starters in a rotation, the ask of everybody else from now your number one in Dylan Cease all the way down to a guy like Tanner Banks who just made the big league club as a 30-year-old rookie, um, it is everything you can get. You know, everything you've got, we need to see it. Um, and that's, that's going to come in, I think, different ways. The White Sox do have an expected reinforcement Coming here in Joe Kelly at some point here toward the end of the month, the hope is that Joe Kelly, big free agent signing in this offseason, come back and give a little more length to that bullpen. They're going to need it. 
Uh, Liam Hendricks, after throwing 30-plus pitches yesterday against the Tigers, blowing the save uh, and giving up the loss, says he's available. I mean, what, what else does that's what Liam does? That's his whole thing. He's available that next day, even if he does pitch a lot. That would, that's what makes him so valuable. Uh, to say nothing of the success he had last season and the year before being the American League Pitcher of the Year in 2020 and 2021. Out to the phone lines we go, 312-332-3776. That's the number. This is White Sox Weekly in Plainfield. It's Dave. What's up, Dave? Yes, sir. I got a couple of questions here. When they signed Johnny Cueto, why didn't they get him early in camp? Why do they always wait until this stuff happens? You know, doggone well, you're going to have this problem early in the season with injuries to everybody. You, you and knew I for know. sure that you were going to lose your top two arms in Lance Lynn uh, and Lucas Listen, Giorgio? I'm going to tell you something right now. You know damn well in this time of the, with the short and spring training, I'm not saying you can predict everything, but this team has had such bad luck for the last couple of years. Well, you got to be reinforced. I don't know why. I was wishing they would have signed Cueto anyway because you lost Rodon in the offseason. You didn't I mean, replace they, him. It's it's not like they didn't go out and find pitching depth. You know, they I signed understand a bunch of guys that. in the bullpen. Vincent Velazquez was signed. Then as soon as Lance Lynn went down, they grabbed Johnny Cueto. I, I don't know. Look. I don't know how much faster you can act. And well, and if, if you're to believe reports, and I have no reason not to, they were hunting pretty hard after Sean Manaya, and there are still guys out there on the trading block that the White Sox may go out and get arm-wise. There's only so much you can do in a span of I five, eight days. That. You know? I understand that, but the problem, what I'm saying is that you lost Rodon, you know, dog, that 13 victories you had last year. Now you lose a man, which how many, I don't know how many you won last year, 12 or something like that. That's 25 victories right there. This team last year didn't hit as well as people think. The first half of that year, you had pitching is really what got them where they were. And right now, I'm gonna, I just hope, the name of goodness, that by the end of this month, we're not any more than four or five games out because if they get off to a really, really bad start, I'm just thing that worries me is Detroit is their pitching is so much better right now except maybe in the bullpen but throughout yesterday but I mean realistically Detroit has got a pretty doggone good starting rotation and that's the thing that worries me more than anything I'm not worried about Minnesota I watched a little bit of their game yesterday and I don't think they're as good as some people think uh, but uh, I, I do believe I think that they need that they their farm system right now is not going to go anywhere for at least another month or two till you get some of the kids down in Kannapolis and Winston-Salem to start to develop. Then you've got some trading capital. But before, because Birmingham and Charlotte's got really a couple of players and that's it. But I'm just saying is that to get the pitchers you want, you're going to have to give up way more than you're supposed to. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not giving up Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets for Montas. That's all I got to say. Have a great day. Dave, Thank appreciate you. you, my man. Appreciate you. Yeah, I, listen, I, pitching depth is, is sought after by everybody around baseball right now. I mean, I think... You know, the expectation was that this was going to be a very difficult thing to ask of just about every arm in every organization. Um, Johnny Cueto threw 114 innings last year, 114 and two-thirds, if we're going to be spot on about it. Why not? The numbers are right there on Baseball Reference. You can read them. A 408 ERA. He was he was fine. He was fine. He's Johnny Cueto. He's 35 years old, going on 36. The velocity is down in the low 90s, hopefully, when he's coming back and throwing. Um, I know he was... Uh, working out in the offseason, but it took a while for him to get this offer from the White Sox. So the expectation is that it could take some time to ramp back up. Um, in case you missed it earlier, Jake Cantu, our producer here, confirmed uh, the May 15th date was the date reported at which 
if Johnny Cueto's not up in the big leagues, he can uh, become a free agent again and, and void the deal, the minor league deal with the White Sox. That's pretty. T- that's very typical of a deal with a veteran like Johnny Cueto's status. And you know, he's been in the league since 2008, his rookie season with Cincinnati, um, and then added. You know, I, I want to say that I'd love to see the advanced statistics on this for Cueto, but I want to say he added four to five shimmies every year in his delivery from 2002 to 2013, um, all the way up to his uh, fourth-place Cy Young finish, second-place Cy Young finish in 2014. Boy, was he good there. Um, and then had a good year with San Francisco in 2016. That was a big free agent signing for the Giants then. He did not make the playoff roster for the Giants. He did not pitch in the playoffs for the Giants last year um, in their run up against the Dodgers, and you saw that whole thing happen. Um, Giants had a lot of good arms, uh, but Cueto wasn't pitching exactly all that great down the stretch. A one three six nine ERA and a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 3.27. You know, if he can give you quality innings, you'll take them where the White Sox are right now. But here's the other thing uh, about where Cueto may or may not be, and, and it'll be interesting to see once he gets into a game in the minors. You can't rush Cueto either. You know, if, if you need those innings from Reynaldo Lopez, from Vincent Velasquez, from Johnny Cueto, you, you have to be judicious about pushing those workloads onto guys because they've had the same struggles that... Um, uh, same same concern, same condensed timetable that Lance Lynn had, that Lucas Giolito had, that Michael Kopech had, that Dylan Cease had. You know, you can't push them any harder than you pushed any of those guys. So when they get up here, you know, Cueto's a rubber arm type dude, and he'll take the ball if you give it to him. Uh, but you push him harder than you can, and now you're dealing with the same situation potentially and losing another arm. So this is very much going to be, you know, you, you look at – the offseason signings for the White Sox, so many arms in the bullpen. This is, I think, going to have to be a first month, month and a half of the season where, you know, like Dave said, you got to tread water. Keep your head above best you can. Stay in this thing. And certainly the White Sox have the bats to do that, more than enough offense to do it. Um, it's just going to be really difficult to ask of that pitching staff to stay in that game, in and out, given the, the injuries that you've already gotten. They've signed some real quality arms in Kendall Graveman. Saw him pitch really well yesterday. Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks, you know what they can do. Uh, yesterday's being, you know, a, a game they want back for sure. But I trust Bummer and Hendricks with a 3-1 lead more often than I don't. Uh, Bennett Souza looked fun. Uh, you've got Tanner Banks in that bullpen as well. So these are guys that are have to go out there and give you um, as much as they can. And probably in some instances, you're, you're going to see Tony Larusa ask for more than three outs from these guys. I think you will see a lot of what Len and DJ kind of identified as a Tony La Russa calling card last year, a guy going out for, you know, maybe that first out of the next inning because there's a three batter minimum, right? But that kind of goes away if you finish the last two outs of the inning and then you get the next out of the next one. Or maybe you come in and you get that four out, first out inning, that kind of thing. Uh, that's a way to kind of manipulate some of the rules right now and get a little bit more length out of a reliever. Go to that next guy and have available to you a change um, after the inning there. So maybe you'll see that as a, as a strategy the White Sox employ here over the next couple of weeks. Back out to the phones, driving around on the road, it is Brandon. Brandon, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, man? Man, I just want to say this, man. I'm a White Sox fan, but uh, I live a game by game. I don't want to hear it's early. That was a game we should have won and we could have won. 
It's just that simple. I'm so sick of this team and this organization. Go out and win the freaking ball game. I'm sick and tired of this overrated bullpen. Aaron Palmer, again, you can't get the job done. Once again, you had a bad year last year. Follow up with another one. And we got a closer that's hittable. He's good, but he's not great. He can be had. And when I look at our injuries, I'm sick of this weak. Yeah, he's weak. Mankata um, at third base. This dude, he's so soft, he continues to get hurt. For me, the, La- the La Russa watch is on. And if I hear Steve Stone one more time say Dallas Keiko is having problems with location, no, he's not. He don't want to throw a strike because he know that garbage will get hit. So it's not about location. This guy with his weak arm, I'm just sick of it, man. And right now I'm off the ledge after one game because the expectations is too high for this team, too much money. All of our free agent signings have been garbage. Hey, hey Brandon, Keiko, Brandon, yeah. hey, Brandon, Brandon, yeah. real quick. What do you like about the White Sox? What I like about the White Sox is they take care of their own. I like how the, the youngsters, how, the, how we pay them early with the Roberts and, and et cetera, et cetera. I like, I like the makeup of the team. But when it comes to this pitcher being overrated and this pitching staff and this um, bullpen, which has been overrated last year, they were supposed to be the top bullpen. They were really good last year, Brandon. They were really good Based last on year. what? Based on what? Like, numbers do lie. Like every... Don't tell me about no numbers because the numbers do lie. They... Tell me how was they good. Based on who? The, like, well, I was going to use Foster? like I was going to use like Aaron all Palmer the numbers, but I was going to use like all the numbers. You can't use no all no numbers. I'm looking at what I see on my TV screen. Guys, they blew more leads than any team in the majors, and you're gonna tell me that's a well, good boy, Brandon. Man? That's Who you Brandon. Watching? Brandon, that's a number. No, when I when I see them blow the lead with my eyes on my TV, do you do you they count that? Do you count them? Do you count them up though? Do I count them up? Yeah, because that would be a number. I'm, I'm, if you want to just total it up, they count it up. But I'm not looking at. I'm looking at the total losses. Well, that, we Brandon, again, that would be a number. I appreciate you calling, my man. I'm, I'm sorry that you're on the ledge. I hope you, you can come back You own this analytics in. thing. This analytics no, thing ain't going to work. That's not analytics, dude. That's, that's, not, that's not get analytics. That's just done. counting things. Got, no. the, Liam Hendricks won American League Reliever of the Year two years in a row. Aaron Bummer's a lot better pitcher than he was last season, and I think he showed you that in a lot of different places. He got bled by soft contact two times yesterday. He threw those pitches eight more times out of ten I, I think you get ground outs instead of soft liners over infielders' heads. Like, I, I'm not here to tell you that everything's fine with the White Sox. Far be it. I mean, they're, they're facing big concerns, big concerns with Lance Lynn and Lucas Chilito out. Um, but, you know, I hope, I hope Brandon can – I don't know if it's been a lot of coffee in the morning. I don't know if it's a tough commute. I, I've been there myself. It's, it's difficult. But it is one of 162. You can be upset at missing opportunities to score runs in the fifth. Yeah, I get it. You'd be upset that your all-star closer in Liam Hendricks didn't get the job done yesterday. Totally. I get it. But guys don't get it done every single time. It just doesn't happen that way. It's baseball. It's why they play 162 of these things. It's really difficult. The White Sox need to be better than they were yesterday. Nobody's pulling the wool over anybody's eyes on that one. When you hand a 3-1 lead, a two-run lead, a three-to-one score to Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks, it's got to be a win 90% of the time. So look at it that way, maybe. Maybe that makes it just a little bit better for Brandon and White Sox fans who were upset about yesterday's game. And I, I wouldn't blame you if you are. Liam Hendricks is upset about yesterday's game. We played you the post-game comments. 
you know, you hand that lead and you blow it with Bummer and Hendricks, then the next nine ought to be locked down stuff. That's what the White Sox need to expect from that pitching staff and from that offense, a few more runs, just a few more points over the next couple of days against the Tigers and when they come back home against the Seattle Mariners. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. White Sox start the season 0-1. They lose 5-4 to to the Tigers. The pregame show is coming up in uh, just over half an hour. We'll start that up at 1130. We'll take some more phone calls on the other side. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. And looking forward to some White Sox baseball against the Tigers today. That's Dylan Cease and Casey Mize, the starters. Sox looking to even the record at 1-1. One and one. Uh, They've got some difficult tasks ahead of them. Lucas Giolito will head to the injured list. Tweaked something yesterday after four innings of scoreless ball against the Tigers. The hope is that he'll miss just two starts out of the rotation. Vincent Velasquez will get the start in the home opener Tuesday against Seattle. We've also found that Tanner Banks may get a start for the White Sox here in this first trip or two through the rotation. That's yet to be seen. Tony La Russa also mentioned that Reynaldo Lopez, you know, a quality candidate to start games with Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito out, is going to be held in reserve for potential relief appearance either here today or tomorrow. Cease goes today. He's been a tiger killer in his career. Michael Kopech goes tomorrow. And the expectation is that he'll probably be on a, on a soft-ish pitch count. We'll see how long he can go. But I expect that Reynaldo Lopez is being held up in reserve to relieve Michael Kopech and piggyback off of that start. That's just my guess. Obviously, you got to win the game in front of you today. White Sox are 0-1 after a disappointing loss to the Tigers yesterday. They had a 3-1 lead and handed things over to Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks. Neither were able to get the job done. Bummer went two-thirds, gave up two. Liam threw one inning, gave up two. The game winner off the bat of Javier Baez off the wall in right field, and that scored Austin Meadows from third after a triple of his own. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. Time for you here is in the last half hour of White Sox Weekly in Joliet. It's Brandon. What's up, Brandon? Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing well. I think I'll be a little bit more calm than the last, Brandon, but uh, I'm very, I'm really excited about where these White Sox have been going. I will say, though, I think the last two years, what I've seen as a White Sox fan, I mean, I'm very happy with how our offense looks, how the pitching depth we have, the bullpen, all that. And where I would, you know, agree partially with the last caller would be, I believe in 2020, the majority of those games we were playing the same teams, and I think we had a easier schedule that year. And then I think last year, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were the only team that went into the playoffs that had a losing record against teams that were above 500. And I think that's where I, I think there's really expectations for our White Sox. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the, the roster's great and, you know, we're in a great path. But I think until we start beating teams that are above 500 and competing in those type of ball clubs and winning those type of series on a weekly basis month to month, that's where I want to see the White Sox improve. I think that's one of our biggest weakness. Brandon, appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, I think those are fair critiques. I think those are fair asks of the White Sox. I don't know. I have to look that stat back up. I, I don't think the White Sox were the only team that were below 500 to make the playoffs. I want to say the Braves, who ended up winning the World Series, uh, did not have an over 500 record against teams above 500 
but I'd have to look that back up. I was just listening to some stuff from uh, the Fangraphs podcast, Effectively Wild on the Braves. Ben Lindbergh and Meg Rowley do such an amazing job on that pod. Highly recommend it. You know, after you get done listening to White Sox weekly podcasts, which you can download on the ESPN Chicago app, that's a good one to supplement your baseball listening. Uh, Lindbergh and Ben Lindbergh and, and Meg Rowley are, are two of the best to do it. Uh, but that Braves team was such a wild thing. You All that to say, yes, you want to beat better teams. Hands down, totally hear you. That's a fair ask, and it's something the White Sox have talked about heading into spring training, throughout spring training. It's one of the things that Lucas Giolito, among others, said when the Twins signed Carlos Correa. We want to be pushed a little bit. Last year was a walk to the AL Central title. They won it by 13 games. And having a team or two, you know, maybe breathing down your neck a little bit is something that can push you. Well, after one game... You've gotten what you've asked for from the Tigers. That is a revamped lineup who is, they're fun, they're plucky, they're interesting. You know, Javi Baez does have his drawbacks as well as his incredible moments, you know, like yesterday, unfortunately, against the Sox. Um, The rookie Spencer Torkelson is the fourth best prospect in baseball. And, you know, from everybody's scouting reports, it's tough to doubt that Spencer Torkelson's going to have some impact, but he's still a rookie. Liam Hendricks was able to work him over for a strikeout in that ninth inning, starting things off. Could have gone a little bit better there. Eric Haas has some power off the bench, no doubt about it. Miguel Cabrera is still going to be a Hall of Famer and is able to, you know, get things done from time to time. That young pitching is TBD for me. I think they've got some talent there. Mize is an interesting one. Scooble as well. Um, But those are guys that are... Those guys are going to have to prove it in their second and third go rounds, or third, you know, depending on how you split up that rookie season and how you like to count 2020. I like to forget about 2020, at least a lot of parts of 2020. The whole White Sox run is great, and the Jose Abreu MVP. I remember those things. Most of 2020, I just, it goes away. Let's not think about it so much. Anyway, I think that there are um, more interesting teams in the Central this year, the AL Central this year than there were in, in, in last season and, and maybe even in 2020. And the Royals have a lot more to offer than they did in the last two seasons. Bobby Witt Jr. looks like he's going to be uh, the second coming. I don't know. I mean, he looks like he's really good. But some of that young pitching has to prove itself as well. The Twins, I think, are still a dangerous ball club. When you've got Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa healthy and in the middle of that lineup, look out. You know They can cause some damage. Still, still, the White Sox can be the class of this division. And, and I know you, you heard it just then. You're driving around or you're getting set for baseball, all that kind of stuff. And you say, well, Connor, you've been saying that they are the class of this division for a while now. Now you said they could be. Now they said they can be. Well, injuries to Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito are difficult ones. You need now, and the White Sox can absolutely do it, but you need now to turn to this offense, Pollock, Robert, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez, Anderson when he comes back tomorrow. All of those guys need to provide the offense, the breathing room for these pitchers who are going to be asked to get out there and, and provide innings that a lot of them haven't been asked to do before. I'm talking about guys like Bennett Sousa and Tanner Banks and Kendall Graveman and Kyle Crick, all these guys, to say nothing of the big names that you know in Bummer and Hendricks who needed to pitch better yesterday and can pitch better, and I, I believe will going forward. But those other names that we're going to learn about from Len and DJ during the broadcasts, those are guys that have to step up as well. They've not done it before. So you need guys that have Pollock, Robert, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez, Anderson. You need those guys to step up 
and offer the offense that you know that they're capable of. It's why I look back at yesterday's game, and I think I've mentioned it twice already on the show this morning. It's why I look back at yesterday's game, the leadoff double by Pollock in the second, the infield single by Luis Robert, right, uh, pardon, the leadoff double by Pollock in the fifth, and then the infield single by Robert had runners at first and second with nobody out, then second and third with one out on a fielder's choice by Jose Abreu. Those are situations where you've got to get the job done. Yasmani Grandal and Aloy Jimenez were unable to do so. And the White Sox sat there, um, having scored three in the first two innings and just kind of hanging around until Andrew Vaughn hit the homer in the ninth last night. And the bullpen did what the bullpen did yesterday. So this, this is a team that's gotten itself to a point where even the backups have talent. You know, Jake Berger yesterday mattered. And, and will for the next couple of weeks as Yohan Mankat is out with an oblique strain. But the depth is there. The depth is right now in the start of the season being asked to perform. That's a tough spot to be in. The White Sox have gotten themselves in a situation where they're, they're capable of doing that. But make no mistake, the, the focus now for April and maybe even into May changes a little bit. Uh, and that can be, you could see that as unfortunate. You don't have to love that. But that is going to be the tenor, I think, of the next month, month and a half of the season. 312-332-3776, that's the number. In Wilmington, it's Mark. Mark, you're on White Sox Weekly. I don't, uh, White Sox fans, don't worry. I think this is a great team and everything. And I just, I'm going to give Tony Lewis a couple games before I start yelling. But, um, uh the Sox are going to be a great team, and uh, just one game is, you know, they, they had a stat where the White Sox have lost four of the last five of the opening days, and everything. they went on to, you know. So I'm, I'm going to give Tony Lewis a little bit of credit, a little um, little leeway, and then I'll start complaining. But um, this is a great team. You watch it for the next 10 years. This is going to be a very good team, Sox fans, and um, the, the Sox fans are tremendous. Thank you very much. All right, Mark, appreciate you. Um, I'm not exactly sure what there is to be uh, pointed at Tony LaRusso about yesterday. I There was one decision that I thought was an interesting one that some have come down on about. That's not a really great phrase. Some, some have been a little upset about. And it's A.J. Pollock out there in right field in the ninth inning with Aloy Jimenez in left and Luis Robert in center field. I, I find it difficult you know, okay, you put Adam Engel in there and you slide A.J. Pollock over to left. That means you're taking Aloy out of the lineup. You've got Engel out there in right field, and maybe he makes a play on that ball that Javier Baez hit. The thing of it is, that's not a guarantee. It's a tough play going back into the wall, and right field into Detroit is a tough place to play. Engel's a great right fielder, but I don't know that that's 100% guaranteed. So there's one piece. Now, you can argue the other side of this. I hear you. I just think it's a decent defense of either way. You've got Aloy Jimenez coming up fourth in the next inning. If that ball game stays tied, you get the runner on second base. You need as many runs as possible, given the fact that you've gone through Liam Hendricks already, and you'll then have to go to Reynaldo Lopez in game. He was the guy warming up in game one of the season. He's got to protect as big a lead as possible because you want to win that game. You need Aloy's stick, in my mind, if you're still tied going into the 10th with the runner on second base. That would have been uh, Pollock would have come. It would have been AJ Pollock on second base to start the tenth. Remember, the zombie runner is back. So you go Robert Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez. I want him hitting. I'm not taking that bat out of the lineup in a tie game. So I, I think you can defend those decisions 
really kind of on, on either side. If you'd prefer the defense, yeah, sure, you can prefer the defense. It comes down to that offense getting the job done in the fifth, and no mistake about it, Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks pitching better yesterday in the eighth and the ninth. Let's slide in another phone call here in Willowbrook. It's Owen. Owen, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hi, Connor. Thanks for taking the call. You got um, hey, the guy that really is going to interest me this year, I think, is Dallas Keuchel. And Dallas Keuchel came off a, a good shortened COVID season two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think last year the problem with Keuchel was he's not going to – if anything, he's going to be a swing and miss guy because he's a junk ball pitcher. And I think – Last year, he didn't throw strike one. If he can get away with first pitch strike, I think he could be a, still be a good help to the Sox because he knows how to field his position. He's got a good pickup pickoff move, and I think it all comes down to him throwing strike one. And I, I, I think he can get it back because the guy doesn't know how to pitch. Oh, and appreciate the phone call, man. That's going to be the hope for sure. I, I think Dallas Keuchel can bounce back from last season. I'm not sure that Dallas Keuchel from 2020 – or Dallas Keuchel from, you know, 2018 is the thing that the White Sox are going to get. Sure be a nice thing to get, especially with Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito on the shelf here for a little bit. But I, I think you can shave a couple of bad outings off of Dallas Keuchel's 2021 and, and have a real effective guy in the back end of that rotation. Dallas threw 162 innings last year. That, in and of itself, is important to have, especially in this coming season with the rotation as banged up as it is, Lynn and Giolito on the injured list. I think what's critical for Dallas Keuchel is that you can't have the short starts two, three times in a row now. With innings eaters like Lynn and Giolito already out, you need Keuchel to take the ball and get into the fifth just about every day. You need Cease to do the same thing. You know, what you get out of Michael Kopech is another question. Then you get into Ronaldo Lopez starts, Vincent Velazquez starts, maybe Tanner Banks starts. Those are going to be a lot different. So the the impetus is going to be on Dallas Keuchel getting to the fifth. Lance, uh, pardon, Dylan Cease getting to the fifth. You can't have consecutive starts from guys like Keuchel or Cease or whatever where you're getting knocked out after one or two and then getting knocked out after three or four in the next one. And unfortunately for Dallas... That did happen a couple of times last season, just kind of short start after short start. And that um, that puts strain on a rotation. That puts strain on an offense, too. We'll take more phone calls when we come back. we got to take a quick break. Remember, the pregame show is coming up at 1130. Uh, we'll get Tate and Phil and Bob just on the other side of a quick one. you got White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Hey, it's Kenny Main reporting from a Caesars Sportsbook commercial. Caesar knows the way to your heart is food, so sign up with code RADIOEAT. Bet $50, and new users get a $250 Uber Eats gift card. Must be 21 and physically present in Illinois. New customers with eligible promo code only. Real money wagers only that have minimum odds of minus 200. $250 gift card redemption code accepts a redeem gift card. will be sent via email within 72 hours. Uber gift card terms and conditions apply. See Caesar.com slash homeless for full terms. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, prices, counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. You're busy. You have a life. So we'll keep this simple. Switch to insure on the spot and save money on your auto insurance payments. That's it. No gimmicks. No gotchas. Just a free quote in two minutes with payments as low as $49 a month. Insure on the spot provides affordable quality coverage for everyone at the lowest rate. Call 773-202-5060. That's 773-202-5060. Or visit insureonthespot.com. 
with America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance. Plus, available premium features like wireless device charging. The Hyundai Tucson, Santa Fe, and Kona SUVs make every street easy street. Get 2.25% APR for 60 months on our most popular SUVs with new inventory arriving daily. See your local Hyundai dealer or visit buyhyundai.com today. Offer ends May 2nd. Call 224-661-0068 for details. The sound of an ice cold Corona is music to my ears. Oh, run that back. Dope. Now drop that beat. And hit me with the hook, player. Hey, whatever you do with your fine life, just do you, player. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. The real estate market is tough. It's essential that you trust the people working with you. I'm Lenny File. Let me tell you about Hearthside Realtors. For 52 years, we've heard stories of families just like yours looking for the place to call home. Hearthside is licensed in Illinois and Indiana. We have three agents who speak Spanish, and we're dedicated fans of Southside Baseball. Check out the latest listings at hearthsiderealtors.com, and let's find you the home to create dreams. I'm Lenny File, and I go the extra mile. Hearthsiderealtors.com. Here's the pitch, and there goes a long, long drive. And speaking of long drives, or any drives for that matter, make sure you go to Windy City Limousine for all your transportation needs. Long drives, short drives, chauffeured black car services, luxury coach rentals, corporate bus services, airport shuttles, group and event transportation, and more. Go to WindyCityLimos.com today, Chicago's premier transportation company, for all your transportation needs. And tell them the M&M guy sent you. What's your car's monthly payment? There's a good chance that First Midwest Bank can lower it. Just like refinancing a mortgage, First Midwest Bank can refinance your auto loan too. That means lower payments, lower interest rates, and higher monthly savings. Plus, you can wait up to 60 days to make your first payment. Apply at firstmidwest.com slash autorefi. First Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank. Member FDIC subject to credit approval, vehicle insurance required. At HawkAuto.com, they've got cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. Choose from new Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, Volkswagen, Nissan, and Wagoneer models, and a huge selection of pre-owned and certified pre-owned vehicles. They've got them in stock and ready to drive home today. Schedule pickup at any of their nine Chicagoland locations, including Forest Park, Oak Lawn, Joliet, and St. Charles. Find your next car at HawkAuto.com. Drive what I drive. Drive a Hawk. HawkAuto.com. Host your group from a view like no other in the CIBC Fan Deck. It's located in center field. The Fan Deck sits above everything else, providing an expansive view of the entire field and stadium. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. It is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Uh, There was a little bit, you know, we had a lot of news with Lucas Giolito headed to the injured list. Vincent Velazquez getting the start in Tuesday's home opener. A.J. Pollock expected to go on paternity leave after Sunday's game. Tim Anderson's suspension ending after today's game. All these kinds of things came together and pushed around some of the content we wanted to bring you here on White Sox Weekly. But we're not going to let it all move around. Jake Berger spoke with reporters yesterday. This is kind of a fun one on the field. Uh, Jake was kind of an interesting situation having played the season opener for Charlotte, then going back to Chicago and playing the season opener 
for the White Sox against Detroit yesterday. It's unique, to be sure. Jake's on the roster because Yoan Mankata is down on the injured list. Always a good guy to talk with, always in good spirits. Uh, here is the on-field interview yesterday before the opener with Jake Berger. Here early in the season as you try to set a tone, how important it is for guys like you to step up in those roles? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. I mean, you saw it last year, you know, with uh, Gavin Sheets coming up and Andrew Vaughn having the impact he did, you know. So, um, you know, I just try and follow in their footsteps a little bit and, uh, you know, contribute in any way I can. We're just joking. You made your major league debut here. How does this compare your first opening day starting the big leagues? Yeah, I would say the adrenaline's probably about the same right now. Um, you know, I, I think I'm a little more confident and kind of have a better understanding of what I need to do day in and day out. Um, so, yeah. It's uh, probably less adrenaline in that sense and less nervousness, but, uh, you know, still really, really excited and uh, really pumped up. You know, how, you know how good this lineup is? I mean, is it just on you just to do what you can, not to go too far beyond, you know, what, what you have out there? Yeah, yeah. Me and, me and Frank always talk about that, you know, just kind of being myself and, um, you know, not trying to do too much, you know, whether it's a situation with nobody on base or bases loaded, you know, just be me and, um, you know, just, just stay grounded and uh, be myself. As you're going about your week, Monday, you know, is a normal day. Like Tuesday, this pops up with Johan, and then does it just change your your whole week? Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I mean, we we open up in uh, Norfolk, and so I don't know how many guys uh, can say they played a Triple A opening day and an MLB opening <laughs> day in the same year. So, um, you know, that's that's really exciting. And no, it was it was awesome. You know, I, I love playing for Wes Holmes down there, and uh, you know, he helps me a ton, and Chris Johnson. Um, so it, uh, it gave me some confidence uh, when when I got the call. Besides having that knowledge from last season under your belt about what it takes at this level, what else were you looking to looking to work on and take a step with this year? Yeah, I think it would just be controlling my emotions. Um, you know, when, when you're in the box and uh, you're nervous and whatnot, you know, you kind of get outside yourself and uh, you know swing a little harder or uh, chase a pitch that you shouldn't. Um, so kind of kind of controlling those emotions and um, you know just kind of being that even keel, you know, steady, not not riding the highs and riding the lows too too hard. That's White Sox third baseman Jake Berger had a double. Burger yesterday, one for three with a walk, came around to score a run as well. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here on White Sox Weekly and bring you the pregame show at 1130. Rachel Balkovec, the manager of the Tampa Tarpons, won yesterday. It's the high A level team for the Yankees. She's the first female manager in minor league baseball and affiliated baseball to get a win. I've seen a bunch of interviews with her. She is a terrific manager. So congratulations to her. That is just an awesome moment for baseball. Uh, Saw the win. Players were absolutely losing their minds over it. One of the really cool things we saw in baseball here the last week or so. Hopefully the White Sox have something cool for you in in store for you today. Dylan Cease gets the start against Casey Mize and the Tigers. Our pregame show comes your way in just under six minutes. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You have ESPN 1000. Light it up. Chicago White Sox baseball is on the air. This is the White Sox pregame on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Brought to you by Marquette Bank. Love where you bank. Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's Original Craft Vodka. And your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. The White Sox and Tigers play game two of the season this afternoon at Comerica Park. Dylan Cease, the Tiger killer, gets the ball for the White Sox. Casey Mize goes for Detroit. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the FanDuel White Sox pregame show. I'm Connor McKnight. 
Sox lost a tough one yesterday. The Tigers walked it off 5-4. Javier Baez with a single off the wall in right against Liam Hendricks. That scored Austin Meadows from third. And the Tigers took game one of the year. Things get tougher for the White Sox this morning. Lucas Giolito came out of yesterday's game after four innings. He told reporters he felt something on three straight pitches in that fourth. Told the training staff about it and the decision to sit him down was made. Tony La Russa told reporters that Giolito would be placed on the injured list. The hope is that Gio misses just two starts. With Lance Lynn already on the injured list after knee surgery, the White Sox rotation will be tested in these first two months of the year. Vincent Velazquez has been named the starter for Tuesday's home opener against Seattle. Michael Kopech gets the ball tomorrow against Detroit. Tanner Banks, the 30-year-old rookie, a left-hander, may well get a start in the next few days as well. All that per Tony LaRusse's pregame press conference. And all that, of course, is dependent on what happens in these next two games against Detroit. The White Sox have the off day Monday. One more piece of news. Outfielder A.J. Pollock will go on paternity leave after Sunday's game. So congratulations to the Pollocks. All that's big news for sure. But the White Sox have a challenge in front of them today. They've got the right man on the mound. Dylan Cease has an 8-0 record against the Tigers in his career, if you're into that kind of stat. A 1.13 whip and a 2-1 ERA in 51 and a third career innings, if you like a fuller picture. We'll get you the White Sox lineup later in the show. But Gavin Sheets makes his season debut today. He'll DH and hit six. Our Twitter poll question of the game is out. Follow us at ESPN White Sox to answer that question. We'll give you the results in the bottom of the fifth. Coming up next, though, and you don't want to miss it, especially with all the news around the White Sox today, our play-by-play man, Len Casper, has an exclusive conversation with White Sox manager Tony La Russa. That's coming up in two on the FanDuel White Sox pregame show. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. With the manager, Tony La Russa, before Game 2. Those losses are never easy, particularly when it comes this early in the season, but I think the big question is Lucas Giolito. We're still kind of waiting on his status? Uh, Waiting in the sense that how long will he be out? Because, I mean, the good news is this morning he does not have a uh, severe pain in that lower abdomen area. Uh, It's kind of a light pain, but still, you're a pitcher, and there's no way he's going to make a start. We, you know, if we can only miss a couple of starts, we, it'll be a big win for us. Liam was very stand-up after the game. These things do happen. You know, I'm sure he'd like to be back out there today, but I know you t- told me yesterday you've got to be very careful about the pitching, right? Yeah, I, we, we've, we talked about it last night, talked about it today. You know, Graveman, it's not just, you know, he threw 20-some pitches, but you, had to, you get to warm up twice, so he's going to be out today. I think the smartest thing, you know, Liam's with 30-plus. I think the smartest thing today is for him not to pitch. But I was talking with Katz and with Hassler, you know, we have a, a lead the ninth and a chance to, to get even in this series. Uh, it's not impossible to call on him, but the smart thing is not to, not to just give him a day off. It's a long season. Dylan Cease, tell us about his spring. Well, he, he came into camp, and probably the only lesson – outstanding performance was his first bullpen. He was just kind of okay. But from there on, I mean, he just just huge strides. Next time he pitched the bullpen, next time he threw batting practice, each game he was sharper and sharper. So we're excited about him today. 
One note on the Tigers, Spencer Torkelson made his big league debut yesterday. DJ and I talked about all the young kids that we're starting to see at the big league level. How impressed are you with the 22-year-old kid who shows up and made some nice plays defensively? Yeah, no, that, that's what I mean. If you think about our offense yesterday, you know, we hit the ball hard. If we had some balls early in the game, we're not tra- traveling like they were late in the game. So the offense did, did its part. Their defense made at least three, four really important plays to, to – any kind of ad would have given us a better chance to win. Uh, but the young man, I remember watching video on him when uh, the year he was drafted. You know, he's a legitimate talent. All right, stay warm. Good luck. Thank you. That's Tony Larusa. More after this on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to the FanDuel White Sox pregame show. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. The White Sox and Tigers have first pitch at 1210. Len Casper and Darren Jackson coming your way in just a few. Let's get you the White Sox lineup for game two of the season against the Tigers. The top five are the same as they were yesterday. That's A.J. Pollock leading off and in right field. Luis Robert hits two, is in center. Jose Abreu bats three. He's at first base, of course. Yasmani Grandal will catch and bat four. Eloy Jimenez is in left field batting five. New addition to the lineup today is Gavin Sheets getting his first start. He'll DH and bat six. Then seven, eight, and nine are Leury Garcia at short, Josh Harrison at second base, Jake Berger at third. Remember, Leury is playing short for these first two days because Tim Anderson is currently serving a two-game suspension from an incident last year. Dropped from three to two. He'll make his 2022 debut tomorrow against the Tigers. That's a Michael Kopech start for the White Sox. Kopech's first start of the year. Jake Berger has had multiple opening days this season. He debuted with the Charlotte Knights, the AAA squad for the White Sox, playing third base, had a good couple of first days. Uh, and then, after the injury to Yoan Mankata and his starting the season on the injured list, Berger came up to the big league roster to make the 2022 debut on the major league side as well. Jake spent some time talking to reporters before the opener yesterday and kind of remarked about how fun it is to have two opening days. It's crazy, you know. I mean, we, we open up in uh, Norfolk, and so I don't know how many guys uh, can say they played a AAA opening day and an MLB opening day <laughs> in the same year. So, um, you know, that's that's really exciting. And, no, it was, it was awesome, you know. I, I love playing for Wes Holmes down there, and, uh, you know, he helps me a ton, and Chris Johnson. Um, so it, uh, it gave me some confidence uh, when, I, when I got the call. Berger had a double, a walk, was one for three, and scored a run in yesterday's game against Detroit. He's got to focus early on in the season, you know, knowing he was going to start at AAA, but having provided a good amount of thump with the bat in limited time last year, this is you know poised to be a big season for Jake. Hopefully he breaks through and provides a lot for the White Sox in these next couple of weeks. While he's filling in for Yoan Mankata, here's Jake on his focus early this year. I think it would just be controlling my emotions, um, you know, when, when you're in the box and uh, you're nervous and whatnot, you know, you kind of get outside yourself and, uh, you know, swing a little harder or uh, chase a pitch that you shouldn't. Um, so kind of kind of controlling those emotions and, uh, you know, just kind of being that even keel, you know, steady, not not riding the highs and riding the lows too, too hard. Speaking of emotions, while the White Sox have the best closer in the game and Liam Hendricks, that's not me talking, that's the awards he's won in the last two seasons as the American League Reliever of the Year with Oakland and then the White Sox last season. Uh, he can run hot from time to time. You'll hear him on the crowd mic every now and again saying words that 
Well, we can't say here on the broadcast. Either way, Hendricks was upset with yesterday's performance, giving up a walk-off single to Javier Baez. The Tigers won it in that bottom of the ninth off Hendricks, his first-blown save of the year. He talked a bit about that performance yesterday after the ballgame. I made the pitch I wanted to, but it's not the result I wanted. And now it's, uh, I mean, that's the thing that hurts the most today is, yes, the loss hurts, but it's the inherited runners. And I'm not picking up another teammate, and that's what really irks me. The particular pitch he's talking about is the inside fastball to Miguel Cabrera. It allowed those two inherited runners from Aaron Bummer's scorecard to come score. That tied things up, of course, at three apiece. Andrew Vaughn would hit the go-ahead homer in the ninth, and then the Tigers would strike back for two against Hendricks in that ninth inning. Uh, Miguel Cabrera took an inside fastball, broke the bat, and just dumped it out into right, scoring two. That was off a fastball that, as you heard Liam talk about, was one that was right where he wanted it to be. That said, Liam and a lot of other people around baseball expect the Tigers to be a tough out all year long. Even last year, they, had a, they did have a good lineup. They, they just had a tough first month, and after that, they were fine. But, uh, yeah, this is a, they've added a couple pieces that make that lineup significantly harder to pitch to, and that's uh, and those two of those guys were the uh, the reason of the walk-off today, and that's uh, I still got to make better pitches in that situation. I shouldn't have even got that far, but it... Uh, it is what it is, and I now I come to the field tomorrow and, and want to get back out there and do a better job. That's White Sox closer Liam Hendricks, who may be available for today's game, but as you heard Tony LaRusa tell Len Casper earlier in the show, discretion the better part of valor, and they hope to not have to use him by scoring 8 or 9 against the Tigers today. Every game, we give you a gateway to the booth. Fans use the hashtag AskDJ, and you can get a question to our guy Darren Jackson. He'll answer in the bottom of the fifth. With the all-new CX-50 and Consumer Report award winner for most reliable brand, come see why your next car should be a Mazda from Napleton's countryside at Mazda. Next up on the FanDuel White Sox pregame show, we'll get into the starting pitchers. That's coming up in two. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Wrapping it up here on the FanDuel White Sox pregame show. Sox and Tigers just about ready to start. Len Casper, Darren Jackson, come your way in a moment. We'll get you a player to bank on in just 10 seconds. We pause it here. For station ID. Every game we get you a player to bank on. Today, Gavin Sheets, the lefty slugger. DH is today in the season debut for him. Uh, who are you banking on? Brought to you by Marquette Bank. Love where you bank. Take a look at some of Gavin's numbers last year. It was two call-ups for him. Came up in July, played a little bit into August. In that second call-up, though, he hit 282 with a 363 on base and slugged 535. Got a career 900 OPS versus right-handers and 11 home runs. Guy can hit for power. Here's hoping he does so today for the White Sox. That's it for us. Len Casper and Darren Jackson have the call for the Sox and Tigers next. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. <laughs> 